welcome to Clowns of the Castle, special guest on today's show. Pick 12 in the 2009 AFL Draft, played 42 games for Carlton and was on the Eagles list. Kicked 15 goals and was the first ever sub in AFL. He's the second AFL player ever to beat Boogie in a game of pool and has his own medal named after him at the Winnicott Cats. Welcome, Kane Lucas. Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for giving me the invite to come on the show. Yeah, no worries, mate. We were scraping the bottom of the barrel a little bit. We had to get a few washed up players. So. <laughs> I thought that might have been the case when I got the phone call. <laughs> so, Kano, me and you, we, we, we've gone back a while. <laughs> all, all to 18 months. But in the 18 months, we've formed a very fond relationship. Me getting to know you very well. And even copping the invite for your brother's wedding, attending that. <laughs> uh, yeah, we could we could say it like that. Um, just for all the listeners, a bit of a backstory to that. I actually had my brother's wedding, and um, Bogger was there working behind the bar. To my surprise, so um, he was privy to all the ins and outs of the stories and the wedding. So it's good to have someone I know there. Yeah, mate, I hooked you up with a few good drinks, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I reckon you put a couple of double shots in too, but that's all right. It was a good night. You did ask me to. <laughs> Let's not forget that. All right, so obviously, play, you played footy. Your old man played for the Swans. Um, how was that growing up, living up to that? Yeah, not not too bad. He only played the 21 games, so... Half um, as much, much as you. That's it, so that means I'm double the player. Twice as good, eh? Yeah. <laughs> um, Nah, he, he's originally from, him and my mum are originally from New South Wales, so um, he played most of his footy over there in, in Melbourne, and then um, I'm born and bred WA, so, um, but nah, it's good, football was always a big part of my life growing up, and um, yeah, it was, um, it wasn't too much pressure or expectation at all in terms of um, dad playing footy, so it was good. And so growing up, you played for the Winnicott Cats, is that right? Yeah, originally, uh, initially I was with the Melville Hawks. I played with my brother. Um, he's two years older than me, but I was lucky enough to play for a couple of years with him as a youngster. And then um, we couldn't make a team in under-15s and he kind of stopped playing. So I moved over to the Winnicott Cats. And um, yeah, we're quite a, quite a notorious reputation, the Winnicott Cats back then. They were um, a little bit... Not dodgy, but a little rough around the edges. So a bit like a Mully Saints of the Gerald. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could say that. So um, no, nah, it was it was a good experience, and met a lot of good friends there that I still keep in touch with. So so talk us through the medal getting named after you. Yeah, well, actually, um, I reckon I got an email about four or five years ago, maybe, or maybe even longer than that. But um, yeah, they just. Uh, someone, some bright star came up with the, the idea to um, kind of just acknowledge because I, was, I think I was the first person to make AFL ranks from the Winnicott Cats, so they just wanted to acknowledge that. So, um, yeah, it was pretty special and pretty cool. I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time there, and um, yeah, so it was cool to do that. So, I've done a bit of research, and the actual medal is the only awarded to the best player for the Winnicott Cats in a grand final. Yep. So it's not an actual yearly award. It's only ever when they make the grand final. They haven't had too many recipients. Yeah, I think it was reflective of an effort I put in in a grand final forum. So <laughs> <laughs> I was known as Clutch down there. That was my nickname. So um, just when the big times, they need a big player. And I think, um, yeah, we, we versed, uh, added our Bombers once. I think it was under 15s back, or oh, geez, maybe 2006 or seven. And um, our coach at the time, Ian Fritchley, great Winnicott Cats legend. Um, I'd been playing centre half forward all year, and he decided to put me in the ruck. 
So, oh, uh, I really? certainly tricked up at our bombers. I expected a centre forward to come out, but I played all game in the ruck and um, go with a guy called Michael Martellus, some really good hand service. So, uh, yeah. No, I definitely can relate there. <laughs> centre half forward, ruck myself. So, you want to bring. Oh, you're going to talk about the hand service. <laughs> oh, that too. If, if you want, can I? Yeah. Play for you. But anyway. So, you won a premiership at the Cats then? Yep, yeah, won a uh, premiership with the Cats, which is good. Yeah. Uh, we, we beat the handbag holders, the Adelaide Bombers. They were known for being mummy boys and kind of your Wesley Aquinas boys. And yeah. we were a bit rough around the edges, so it was good to get one on them. Good underdog story. <laughs> so, fast forward, year 12, you've been playing Colts at Eastborough. Been doing fairly well in the national comp. Um, you had a fairly stacked side. There was yourself. Brad Shepard, Duncan, Mitch Duncan, a few others, fairly decorated side. Um, so year 12, what was your thoughts on your schooling in year 12? Did you ever think, fuck, like, do I have to worry about this or am I going to be right just playing footy? Um, oh, look, probably didn't give it the time I should have uh, in hindsight, but that's a beautiful thing. But um, no, I was still, I did my TE um, and... Kind of, oh. Sorry, for those listeners, TE was um, ATAR before it oh, was geez. ATAR. This is, yeah. Sorry, sorry any, any of our um, younger yeah, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, the TE was ATAR yeah. before it was ATAR. So yeah. carry on, Kana. Yeah, so uh, ATAR, I did my ATAR back in the day. And, um, yeah, I, I actually did a year of uni in between my uh, draft year, in between getting picked up, because back then, um, you had a year of school and then you had a year off before you could get drafted. So oh, really? I did a year of commerce at Curtin. But, um, yeah, I definitely could have applied myself a little bit more, but my main focus was on footy at the time. But, um, yeah, I think I'd like to think of myself as one of those people that give most things a crack and not too scared of failing. So like the great Michael Jordan says, you, just, you run out of time, you don't actually fail. <laughs> he's got the so. Michael Jordan jumper on too today. <laughs> yeah, he's got the Air Jordan. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, school though, yeah. Did you ever let anyone else know that you thought you were going to be pretty good at footy? No, I remember, um, like you said, we had Mitch Duncan, Travis Collier, uh, Alex Vasolo, Reese Conker below me, and then above me we had guys like Pat McGinley and Josh Hill. So uh, it could have been likened to the 2001 uh, the Australian cricket team, a lot of super egos. Um, and there's been a lot of false stories come out from our schooling years that... Um, <laughs> I've been echoed around and had some serious mayonnaise put on it, but um, I was I was a quarter cheaper, mate. <laughs> so I've managed to get in contact with one of your ex classmates. He's a massive fan of the show, Dunks, and he provided me a story. So apparently, maths class, you're not a big fan of maths, and you're talking to one of the boys. Teacher's giving you a grilling. You stood up, looked at him. Sorry, do you know who I am? <laughs> that is a prime example of what I've been talking about. There is absolutely no truth in that. <laughs> you might have been, actually, I think it's Dunks deflecting. It could have been him that um, actually said that. Oh, I don't know, mate. You were picked 12. What was he, late 20s? He was 28, but, geez, he's gone on to do some really good things, so... Um, you, you let, let the, the, <laughs> you've let the class down there. No, I um, I have no memory of that occurring. So that could be from um, a false false source, but I don't believe I said that. <laughs> uh, so going through to your time at getting drafted and um, 
playing at Carlton. So did you know pre-draft that you're going to get picked up by them? Uh, no. So I was going into it. Um, I was, I'd been, uh, had a couple of talks with Port Adelaide. They'd pick eight and nine. Um, and then pick 10 was Melbourne. And pick 11 was Essendon. And then, so between pick eight to 12, um, Carlton did say that they, if I was still there, they would definitely pick me up. So I kind of had that security, but I didn't know what was going to happen beforehand. Um, but then uh, John Butcher and Andrew Moore got taken by Port LA with eight and nine. And then Melksham went pick 10 and Gisbert's to 11. So I ended up at Carlton. Who, going into that, who were you looking forward to get drafted to? Did you have a preference? No. So I, um, being kind of mid-range, I kind of had a lot of, in- oh, pretty much, I think I got interviewed by almost every club, um, come to my, either come to my house or at draft camp. So um, I'd pretty much talk to everyone. Um, and you just never know. You kind of, you don't work yourself up or, but obviously you have kind of, Places you'd rather end up, it'd always be good to go stay at home. But even Melbourne was great. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't have any certainty of where I was going to get picked. No. Looking back at it now, was out of like uh, Port Adelaide, Melbourne, and obviously Carlton. Was it? Would you rather ended up anywhere else? Or oh, you just can't say. There's so many variables that go into it. Um, even to this day, it's a lottery sort of a thing. Uh, a lot of players, I've seen players come from late 70s, late 80s, I've seen top round draft picks like myself not do as much in the game. Um, a lot of things have to go right for a player, but must right time, right place. Um, there's so many variables that go into a footy career that, um, yeah, that add up to each individual story. So, yeah. did, you, did you get asked any uh, weird questions at interview time oh, come yeah, by was... each club? You hear nowadays a lot of weird questions get asked. Yeah, yeah I, I was reading about this. I did, but I can't. To be honest, I can't remember them from memory, but I remember Port Adelaide, I reckon Choco was in there. He was a pretty intimidating man. And then a couple that come to the house, they, they used to come, some three or four, so head coach <laughs> and, you know, so uh, it, it's definitely an intimidating process for a young man. So, uh, but I can't remember any curly ones off, off the top of my head. We're talking yeah. 11 or 12 years ago now, boys. <laughs> a couple of decades. Yeah, I'm a fossil. <laughs> Uh, so moving to Melbourne, obviously, drafted by Carlton, what was that like? Yeah, um, that was good. Um, full of energy, full of, full of um, positive vibes. And um, yeah, I, I remember getting in there. I was there actually, I'm not going to plot them too much, but they were a bit behind the times. So I had to um, <laughs> find my own host, host family. Um, so at the time, the welfare manager at Carlton was struggling a bit with some personal issues and medical issues. So I ended up. Um, staying with Jackson Trengrove, who played at Port Adelaide and now at Western Bulldogs. We went through the AOS together and um, his parents said if I ever got drafted to Melbourne, they'd look after me and my parents had the same agreement if he was to come to Perth. Um, so I ended up going to Melbourne and yeah, they ended up getting the house with them and they lived in a nice, beautiful house in Essendon. So um, kind of worked out well. And so um, who were your best mates at the time at um, going through your career at Carlton. Yeah, um, we had... Did you have your own little rat pack yeah, at Carlton? Yeah, we did. I uh, wouldn't call it a rat pack. We were all, actually, maybe you can. Um, <laughs> it, had a, it had a strong WA presence. So, um, guys like Chris Yaron, Jeff Gartlett, Dennis Armfield. And then we had uh, Eddie Betts, Aaron Joseph, myself, Mitch Robinson. Uh, we used to spend a bit of time together and get up to no good. So, they ended up getting rid of all of us by the end. By the end of our uh, mixed tenure, we were pretty much all gone. <laughs> yeah. What about Josh Bootsmart? 
Yeah, Buddha. I got a lot of time for Buddha. He was he was a great fella. Um, one of those blokes you'd sit back and, and just watch, just entertain you through his own actions and not purposely trying to be funny, but you could just... You just watch him. You could just watch him all day, just um, almost in his own world, big bootsy. Um, but yeah, he's a ripping fella. Yeah. He was, um, was labelled... By our weights coach at the time, the skinniest fat cunt he's ever seen. Can I say the c word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're <laughs> to the content. It sounds yeah. a bit like Tommy Sheridan then. Yeah, yeah, a bit like Sheridan. Yeah. Yep. And I remember um, my my young Colts boys asked me the other day when I was training why they called me Sugar. So I'll tell you the story behind that, the background um, behind that. Well, the first day I walked into the club, um, Chris Jad was doing his stretches and. I walked in and he, he said, you've either got two options. It's either um, candy or sugar. Obviously, candy cane and sugar cane. So um, I went with sugar. I thought that was a little less sexualized and a, a little bit more banter about it. So um, that's how that came about. You didn't ever think Bolivian booger sugar that ever come No, nah, oh, we didn't say cane toad. Could, toady could have been one too. But no, nah, it was out of, out of candy and sugar. So I took sugar. And we do have another Chris Judd story, but we'll leave that for later <laughs> coming up. So, um, obviously going through, do you have a couple of different coaches at Carlton? Yeah, a lot of different coaches, a lot of different players at that time. Um, the list was quite, quite aggressively being turned over, and so were the coaches. Um, I mean, geez, I went through about four or five different housemates because they kept being recycled um, at the end of every year. I remember <laughs> it was crunch time and... We were we were going through at least ten to twelve players a year. Um, was it hard getting people to sign the lease? Uh, it was in the end. I ended up getting two people off um, Fatmate Finder because <laughs> I was sick of changing, and, you know. So I, I got out of the football circles and found just uh, people with a bit more job security, which was good. Um, but then, by, then I was gone. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was a very um, high turnover at the time. Um, in terms of coaches and, and players. We had um, all coaches of note. We had, um, obviously, Brett Ratton. Uh, we had the formerly publicised Dean Laidley. He was my uh, midfield coach. Um, we had, oh, jeez, Alan Richardson, Gavin Brown, um, Robert Wiley. Yeah, some greats. Speaking of um, Dean Laidley, um Caught up with him lately? Or? Oh, I, I haven't run into Bible for a long time, actually. So Bible? Bible. Yeah, he's called the Bible. Uh, he couldn't be read. That's why we called him the Bible, because <laughs> one day he'd walk in and say hello, happy as Larry. The next day, he wouldn't even look at you. He didn't know what you did. He just could not be read the yeah. Bible. Fair enough. Now, the subject, um, sorry, the substitute was a big thing in, around your time. So I know you were pulled on the green vest for the first time. Um, do you have many times when you had to come off and you got the red vest chucked to you? Yeah, I've <laughs> plenty, too many times I had both the green and red vest. Um, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of it. Um, just the fact that you sit there for up to two to three quarters most of the time and, and watch a game, you almost kind of mentally... Um, put yourself out of the game because it's, it's quite confronting watching... Players go out at full full whack for three quarters, and then um, you you can almost get in a negative mindset. But um, yeah, definitely got I got dragged a couple of times in the red vest, and got a couple of really good sprays from uh, milkshakes. <laughs> hey, I can imagine no worse feeling than getting the red red vest given to you mid, midway through the game. Yeah, it's uh, 
you sit there and just try to stay away from getting a camera pointed on you because it's pretty uh, pretty embarrassing. So speaking of the coaches you had at uh, Carlton, I, I know you're particularly fond of your wrestling and grappling coach. Yeah, yeah, we had a, jeez, uh, my mind's gone blank. John, um, sorry, I can't remember his name. That's not good. But yeah, we, we had a tackling coach and he was... Um, he was pretty ruthless. We we had some quite unforgettable sessions in his Jodo gym. Um, and be honest, can you, you can say he's a fucking ass. <laughs> oh no, that's what you told me behind nah, the scenes. Nah. Oh, he's a, he's a black belt and bloody martial arts expert. So I was, but he, he put us through our paces. Um, one training camp in Dubai, we were, we were resting on the sands of the beach for hours on end, and there was a couple of broken men by the end of that session. I reckon. Um, but yeah, he was pretty ruthless. John Donahue, that's who it was. John Don, that's the one. I think he's uh, still in the AFL circles, actually. So yeah. Helping out at Port Adelaide and St Kilda, maybe. Tackling was never my forte, I, was, oh, I can tell. You can't get, yeah. You don't need to tackle if you've got the footy. So. <laughs> so speaking of which, uh, I read a read an article the other day, and it was talking about milkshakes, Mickey Malthouse milkshakes first coming to Carlton. And he said in the media that Kane Lucas was going to be his Daisy Thomas project. <laughs> Jeez. What was your thought on that? Certainly didn't work out that way, did it? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a pretty intimidating man, Milkshakes, but uh, he was very fond of Daisy. I know that. They had uh, quite the relationship. Um, but that, I, um, I got off on not a bad start with, with Mick. But um, it kind of deteriorated over the years, or two years that I spent there. Um, he's probably one of those men I'd say, once he puts a cross against your name, it's pretty hard to get back to a tick. So You get on a mixed list. Yeah, so if you, know, if you do something wrong and you get a cross, it's pretty hard to get back on the other side. Uh, but yeah, you, you come across all different types of characters in, that, in the AFL system, so... Is that, is that why you try to keep in close contact with him over the years? Yeah. <laughs> you want to take us through that, kind Yeah, we can go there, if we're going to be open and honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I used to have a little party trick. This is probably when I, I did a bit of binge drinking for a couple of years in a row. I used to think my party trick was to, to try and give milkshakes a call at all hours on a Saturday or Sunday morning after a couple of beers. Um I did that probably a couple of times too many and then one day I was at uni on a Monday and I got a, a call from a no number and I don't usually answer no number calls so I let it go through and um, then was on the bus on the bus home and walking back to home and then got another no number call and I thought geez it might be important might be the bank or something so I answered the phone and he said hey I said hello he goes who's this and I was like it's Kane who's this Mick and then I knew straight away. <laughs> and my heart just dropped. He said, Kane, what are you doing calling me all hours on a Saturday and Sunday morning? And I just, I went red. I wasn't in front of anyone. I just, I crumbled. It, it, like he used to talk to me, like a little boy back in the change room. So he stripped my manhood away. And uh, <laughs> he, I said, oh, I try, I'm pretty proud of this. I thought pretty quick. I, I, I said, oh, Mick, uh, no, sorry, mate. Oh, I've got a Mick in front of you on my contact list, so I'm meant to be calling him. He goes, nah, mate. You've been talking about footy. <laughs> You're in 
talking about Carl, uh, uh, I knew then I was pretty burnt. <laughs> oh, yeah, shit, sorry, mate. And he goes, not good enough, mate. If it happens again, there's going to be a tap on your shoulder from a policeman or I'm going to the media. And I said, oh, yeah, okay, Mick, and tail in between the leg and hanged up the phone. And Yeah, after, after about half an hour, I got angry and angry. I was like, geez, he's just... He's treated me like a little boy again. I've just <laughs> taken it like a little boy, haven't I? I wanted to call back and I said, oh, I wanted to say, you didn't even have me number saved, so you didn't even know who it was. Like, that's how well a relationship we had. But um, no, I, I left it alone because I, I didn't want it to go any further. Yeah, fair call, fair call. So edging towards the end of your time at Carlton then gets, gets to the point where you eventually got delisted, unfortunately. You're a required player. <laughs> yeah, no, another good story about that. Yeah, so I... Um, I, I played, I think it might have been around nine or ten, I was somewhere mid-year, um, and I got the assignment of tagging sides, uh, steel side bottom. Uh, and in fairness, he had, he had ten to a half time, but Mick had this major grudge about uh, ball security, so um, he hated players that if they had the ball and got tackled, they'd let the ball get out and let the player get, he'd rather you get holding the ball. And... Um, I had one instance just before half time where I got tackled and the ball got stripped out and they went up and kicked the goal just before the sign went. Um, the runner come out and I was trying to run away from him, but he said, Look, Mick's pretty angry, just watch out. Um, so at that point, uh, the old Schwinter was uh, just pulsing a little bit. And then I got into the change rooms and just milkshakes, beeline Mick. His uh, jugular vein was pulsating and he just grabbed me by the arm. Nice and firm, dragged me in the physio room and just gave me a great weathering down. Just <laughs> went to town uh, and said, I'd never play again. If, I'd never wear the Carlton Gurns if I did that again, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then I got the red vest five minutes in the third quarter. Um, and the next time we played, still ended up getting 33 touches. So I, ended up, I should have rang him then and said, fuck, I did a pretty good job considering. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, in my, in my last game, we played, um, we played Essendon. So after that, I got dropped. I didn't play for 11, 12 weeks. And I ended up coming in for the last game of the year, around 24 at the time, I think it was. And we played Essendon. We had a draw. And um, after the game, he came up and shook my hand and said, oh, we might have to reevaluate what we're going to do with you. So obviously the writing was pretty much on the wall. And... Um, I then um, I went into my exit meeting, which all players have, and he kind of said, "Look, mate, your locker's cleared." And I said, "Yeah, well, I'm not stupid, you know. I'm, you know what you said, and I'm obviously not going to be here next year." And he said, "Oh, look, like we don't know what the numbers going to look like." Blah blah blah. Anyway, all of you know, and I, I went on a family trip to Bali with my parents, and yeah, it was about four weeks later, they just gave me the call and said, now nah, mate, we've gone Dave Ella, we're going to put him on the rookie list, you, Brock McLean and Mitch Robinson, no longer needed. So, there was a couple of big names get put out through the door. Yeah, yeah, like I said, it was, it was like that the whole time I was there, um, there was people going and coming and going, so. Um, was that the biggest spray you ever had as well? I personally, I've had, but geez, you go some good ones that if they weren't directed at you, you had to sit there and try not to laugh because they were pretty bloody funny. <laughs> um, I remember one half time he said to Sam Rowe and Simon White that they better go to Centrelink and hand in their resume because they won't be Carlton next year. So um, <laughs> he, had, he, had this, he had this knack of getting a bit personal and just old school and like, if it wasn't directed at you, it'd be pretty hard to keep a straight face because it was pretty bloody funny. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so you finished up a cup. 
Carlton, been thrown a lifeline at the Eagles. How was that? Yeah, it was that. Yeah, it, I was. Oh, geez, I reckon I was twenty three, and yeah, had no idea. I, I was a bit over footy it, it, the whole five years, and just everything that had happened. Kind of, um, I wasn't in a good headspace, but um, the safety of coming home and Eagles kind of threw me a chance. Um, so yeah, it was good just to get back to um, family, friends, what I kind of knew was as normal. Uh, and yeah, really enjoyed my two years there. I, I obviously didn't play a game, but it really, uh, I really started enjoying my footy again and uh, enjoyed my time immensely. What do you, what do you can like look at the juxtaposition between Carlton and West Coast? What do you obviously jumps out to you? Oh, jeez, yeah, we could talk about this for hours, mate. Um, yeah, there's so many things, and I don't want to be the person that throws any club under the bus, but. Obviously, there's differences in clubs and um, Carlton are a product of what they are and what they've achieved because of that. And um, Certain clubs do certain things well and other clubs not so well. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, try to stay away from that sort of... And it was obviously a hard team to crack into at the time. They had... Was it was Sam Mitchell there the years that you were there? Was that Matt no, Bruce? I just knew Sam Mitchell, but Matt I had Bruce Matt Gaff that I was competing against. And, yeah, they're bloody... Pretty good runners and good gaffy and masto, so that yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I was starting from a long way back, like yeah. I said, in a bad headspace mentally, and didn't even know if I enjoyed playing the game. And yeah, um, yeah, I was I was probably just fighting fight at that time. So um, although as as I spent more time there, I started to really enjoy it and get better, and started to get that competitiveness back. But um, by then it was too late, and you just uh, you realise how quick careers can go, Bogo. Yeah. Just like seven years down the, well, not down the drain, but just like that. Yeah, mate. I, I can relate, <laughs> especially with uh, basketball. Um, so getting sacked again, what was your mind space and then how was life after footy after that? Yeah, it wasn't as bad because I, um, I ended up suffering a pretty bad knee injury in the waffle um, and I was already fighting, I would have been fighting to try and get another year at Eagles. So once that happened, I knew deep down I was the enemy, but I still remember vividly Simo dragging me in and telling me, like, obviously, like, it wasn't going to happen next year. And it was just like a whole weight was lifted off my shoulders. Yeah. Probably, you know, 15, 16 years of aspirations and dreams and the one kind of single focus. And it was just like, whoa. Uh, so, yeah, I remember that vividly. But, um, yeah, the transition out of the game was pretty tough. Um, did did you ever consider going to Gold Coast or? Nah, nah. My my knee was pretty screwed up. Um, I, I was uh, my chances of playing at a comp- highly competitive level were no good. Oh, we would have loved to have you. Anyway. Yeah, I could have done it. Yeah, maybe yeah. play welfare or something. But um, well, Gold Coast, I just need to sign up. Put, name, put your name down and get a gig there nowadays, don't you, books? <laughs> Fucking. Are you talking to? Are you even talk to them? <laughs> yeah, mate. <laughs> They're looking for an yeah. uh, key forward, so... Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, it, the AFL and the PA probably have um, a bit of work to do with transitioning, like, to come out. I was come out at seven years in the system, awkward age, 25, 26, um, no real qualifications. Um, mates at that stage had been through apprenticeships, uni degrees, and really starting to kind of solidify their careers, and... Um, yeah, I had no idea what else I wanted to do, so 
kind of kind of a year and a half, two years of not much really. Yeah. Um, so like obviously now you're doing um, teaching at Notre Dame without yours truly. Yeah. <laughs> um, what did you do in that two years in between? Yeah, like I said, I probably spent a bit too much money, and in hindsight, I would have liked to have saved that because. Um, yeah, I was probably irresponsible and I, I, I just did a bit of kind of ad hoc work jobs and um, that was probably, I don't know, maybe I wouldn't change it because that was kind of the motivator to start to find a new career path, um, doing kind of work that you probably wouldn't want to do for a lifetime. So I did labouring, I tried an office job, didn't enjoy it, um, did a bit of coaching, didn't mind that, so I knew I enjoyed, still enjoyed sports and being around people. So it took, it was more a process of elimination to yeah. get towards um, signing up for the health and PE degree. Um, so yeah, to any aspiring athletes out there, I, I would encourage balance and to have um, other elements of your life kind of organised and intact other than just, you know, obviously sport might be your main focus, but it's, it's good to keep balance and have other interests and hobbies. All right, so one story we did say we would get back to, and Boogs did tell me about this once, and I have read it in the Chris Judd book, <laughs> so I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. It's the, the handcuffs on Mad Monday. Yeah, the, the famous uh, booze cruise. That was my first year. Um, first year. In the, so I just got drafted. It wasn't a Mad Monday. It was our Christmas breakup party. So imagine this, young, just turned 18, um, four weeks of... Uh, pre-Christmas training and then um, yeah we had a, we had our big piss up on I think it was like the 22nd or the 21st so the boys had organised a cruise along the Yarra um, and as first year players we had our initiation we had um, yeah a number of challenges and stuff we had to do and one of those was being handcuffed to a senior player and drinking whatever they drank for an hour or 45 minutes so uh, I was lucky enough to get handcuffed to Juddy and um, he has an interesting taste when it comes to alcohol. He was drinking a bit of gin and water and uh, lots of different spirits and mixes. So uh, by the end of it, I was uh, I was in struggle town. So was it true that you were drinking quicker than he was? No, I have. Um, yeah, I read something in the book that he said he was struggling, but I was definitely struggling as well. So I might, might have just been putting a brave face on. And it was all it was all downhill after that. <laughs> Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. All right, going on a footy trip. Yeah. All right, we've talked Mad Mondays. Going on a footy trip, you got to pick five teammates to go on. Who are you choosing and why? Oh, jeez. Yeah, you probably won't see a lot of the high-profile names. Like I've always been attracted to the more interesting kind of characters that um, footy didn't overrule their life, so... Jeez, who would I go on? I think I'd have to go... I'd go with Chrissy Aaron. He, yep. was, he was a good fella, a, a good drinking partner. Um, Jamie Cripps. He's yeah. a Gerald Northampton boy. Northampton. Yeah, yeah, Northampton. Very Six. lightweight, lightweight on the beers, but re- very energetic. Good bloke. Yeah, gets gets atmosphere up and gets the excitement levels up. Good what, What's it like having his brother teach you at uni? Yeah, not bad. He's a good teacher. I'll pass the unit, so I'd say he's too bad. Why am I throwing the bus too much? Um, and then, who else? Jeez. I think I'll try to get a nice diverse. Brock, Brock Dirty McLean. Brock McLean. Oh, yeah. He, he, he doesn't really have a stop button, so he could, if he went for four days, he could probably go four days with ease. Yeah. Um, 
And then, so what have we got? Brocky, Chrissy, Aaron, Jamie. Simon Tunbridge, actually. Stronger boy. Yeah. Uh, I've had a couple of beers with him. Yeah. His version of fun's probably sitting at the wall and staring at it, but I don't mind that after day two. Yeah. It's not bad to do that. So uh, I might take Tunners. And then Nicky Graham from Carlton, he's good. Pretty boy, blonde tips, but uh, all-around good bloke, so... Yeah, there's four or four for you. Actually, I'm pretty sure Nicky Graham made one of um, Goz's or Dill Buckley's best 22 off the field. Yeah, he's not a bad fella, Nicky Graham. So, yeah. so obviously, you all played a fair bit of footy together at the Northern Blues. We spent far too much time with <laughs> the Northern Blues. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we've got a couple of questions for you. All right. I'm ready. All right, a couple of quick fire questions. First thing that comes to your head. All right. Burger or pizza? Burger. What superpower would you choose? Uh, three seconds ahead of time so I could pick the trifecta or <laughs> the quaddy. <laughs> Brett Ratton or milkshakes? Oh, fuck. Oh, jeez. Oh, I'm going to go out of the limb and say milkshakes. Oh, yeah. Export or Swanee D? Swanee D. Yep. Favourite song to sing while drunk? To her door, Paul Kelly. It's your signature dish to cook? Penne and Machachana. Mm. Spotify or Apple Music? I'm actually SoundCloud, man. Oh. Oh, yeah, wow. they do really good remixes. Do SoundCloud. You have, are you an artist on there yourself? Do you have any? I'm not an artist as much, but I do draw, I enjoy a 90s, early 2000s R&B remix. Yeah. Fat oh. Joe, Ja Rule, Biggie, all that sort you of You would stuff. love the vibe then on a Saturday night back yeah. in Geraldton. Yeah. Really? Actually, no, this did come up, uh, Uni Piss Up. So, Kano proposed a question to one of the boys from Dongra. So, obviously, Dongra, the little shitty cup. Arsene DeGero? Yeah, <laughs> Arsene DeGero. And he said, who would you rather spend the night in Jero with, either Boogie, myself, or Max Murphy? And he said Max Murphy. So, he's never been a vibe. <laughs> and that was the biggest insult I've ever had. Well, vibe just play the same CD on repeat every Saturday night. It's just full of 2000s R&B. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you got Nelly, R. Kelly, for <laughs> like like Well, prior to COVID-19, we were due the Waffle, the Colts boys. We had a game up there and I was really looking forward to it. But um, yeah, I could have shown you night out in town. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure if it's going to go ahead yet. But... All right. So, would you rather know when you're going to die or how you're going to die? Oh... Just tell me when, and then I can get fit a bit in before then. <laughs> Biggest role model in your life? Oh, jeebus. Oh, I have to be my old man, but in saying that, I like to think I kind of collect different pieces and things from different people. Yeah. So I kind of, uh, in line with what I want to do and what I want to become, I kind of pick off different things to people do something really good I try to pick something from that or kind of mimic that sort of thing no real singular person favourite uni classmates fuck jeez tell you what Boggo is, we're always late because Boggo's trying to fit in another pile before we get to class we've got to bloody make him scow uh, nah, we've got a, we've got a good little group down in our second year Notre Dame so uh, we got Bogo, who's mid-range, and then we got me, and then we got Maddie, who's a bit older, take on the wise, and then we got a couple of young tackers too, so it's a good little mix. Um, Favourite quote to live by? Ooh. Gee, a couple. Favourite quote to live by? These are quick five questions, Cameron. Yeah. They're five seconds. <laughs> they're, they're deep, aren't they? Um, 
Got to pay the price. Ooh, that's yeah, a good one. Good. This one's not so deep. Um, favorite sex position? Oh, deep. <laughs> hey, it is deep. <laughs> it can be deep. Deep for Kano. Oh, we got the Chinese leg swing or the Arabian sand goblins. One of those. <laughs> All right. All right. If you're able to give yourself a blowjob, would you do it? If I was able to? Yeah. Oh, maybe once just to test some waters. <laughs> Have you ever tried? Nah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so now we've got some would you rather questions. Would you rather walk in on your best friend having sex or have your best friend walk in on you? Oh, with their missus or is it just... Just with anyone. I don't mind. I'm happy to do both, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. You know, three's a party. All right. Would you rather wake up in a pool of your own vomit or in a pool of your own urine? I'd take urine. I'm not a big fan of vomit. Uh, I'd much rather take urine. I think it's... A bit more sterile, a bit more Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. Yeah, books is the same because there's a bit of story behind that. It's actually happened to him before. Do you want to spill the beans on that books? Yeah. I think I would... I, I would rather not. <laughs> you'd be prone to wake up in both, I reckon. Something no, no. Well, one time I um, misplaced the toilet. <laughs> so I've woken up in um, my housemate's bed and then I've gone up before I've gone to the toilet. And when I've opened the toilet door, I've actually opened his desk drawer. <laughs> And just started pissing at it. And he like wakes up and he's just like, Mate, what the fuck are you doing? And I like turn around thinking I'm in the toilet. I'm just like, bro, I'm pissing. I'm like, what else do you think I'm fucking doing? Like, he's like, Mate, that's desk, my man. fucking desk. You're pissing all over my laptop. <laughs> all over his keyboard, his uni books. His, oh, yeah. Uh, I reckon you're the only bloke having to piss in the wrong spot, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, would you rather constantly feel like you're covered in sand or have the world's worst sunburn for a month? Ooh, world's worst sunburn. I don't like the sand, the feeling of sand. I don't like being in the Parmigiana. I'd rather have the sand. Now, this is a big one. It's, it's a pretty tricky one to get your, your mind around, so have a think about this one. So, if your mum and your girlfriend switch bodies... Yeah. And, yeah. and you had to have sex with one to get them to switch back, would you rather have sex with your mum's head... And your girlfriend's body, oh, or your girlfriend's boys. head and your mum's body. Body. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <that's... laughs> that's uh bigger than the bottom of the barrels and stuff, is it? <laughs> oh, I'd have to go. Oh, the one with the missus head, surely. And then, yeah, cause... But your mum knows you had sex with her. No, she went. He said he went with the missus. Missus head. Head. So yeah. Missus brain. So. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. That's. Yeah. Yeah, Surely that's the most dignified answer, isn't it? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. If there is one, yeah. <laughs> Ideally, yeah, not one, but... Uh... Anyway, Kano, thanks for coming on. Pleasure. Thank All you right. very much for having me. Big fan of the show, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, mate, I'm a big fan of the show. All right. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you.